Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Steve Case is one of America's best-known and most accomplished entrepreneurs and philanthropists. Case founded America Online in 1985, and under his leadership and vision, AOL became the largest and most valuable internet company for its time. Moving beyond AOL, Case formed Revolution, a DC-based investment firm. Today, Revolution includes the Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, which has invested in more than 200 startups, Revolution Growth, focused on growth stage companies, Revolution Ventures, which has backed more than two dozen venture stage companies. Together, these funds have invested in a number of Central Texas companies, including CarSurf, Climate Wells, Ideal Spot, Loop in the Milk Run, Slingshot Underline, Zen Business, and New Science. Steve's latest book, Rise of the Rest, How Entrepreneurs in Surprising Places Are Building the New American Dream, is where we start today's discussion. Steve Case, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Great to be with you. I wanted to start at the top and with the Rise of the Rest thesis. You said the next great wave of companies will come from outside Silicon Valley, and you were extremely specific with that projection. Thousands of jobs and billions of dollars in value, and here we are sitting in Austin, which has seen a lot of that happen in the last couple of years. I wanted to ask you, what was your thought process behind that prediction? Well, I don't think it's that bold a prediction. Some people, you know, kind of when we said that we thought, you know, the majority of the big, uh, successful, iconic, uh, you know, companies of the future will, you know, be started and scaled outside of Silicon Valley. People thought that was kind of you know, bizarre. But if you just look at the the data and sort of the trend line, it seems like it's pretty obvious that's going to happen. As you say, Austin is a great example of that. If some data points to look at, if you look at the CNBC Disruptor 50 list they come up with every year, this year, two-thirds of the companies were outside of Silicon Valley. Uh, just last week, I was speaking at the Inc. 5000 conference, and the top 20, none of them came from Silicon Valley. Uh, so I think that we're already seeing some uh, evidence that innovation is dispersing and, and job creation is dispersing and you know, capital is dispersing and talent is dispersing. And I think it'll just you know, pick up in the in the next uh, you know ten or twenty years. So um, I, I, I kind of feel like in the early days of the internet, when we started AOL in 1985, and only three percent of people were online, and those three percent were only online one hour a week, and we said someday the world will be online. You know, most people were skeptical, but it didn't seem like that big a stretch to us. You know, it took a, took longer than we thought. It was more of a struggle, frankly, than than we thought. But eventually, of course, the world did. You know, kind of decide they wanted to be online. Uh, and when we talk about the rise of rest, there's a little deja vu all over again. I, I think it's pretty clear that some of the trend lines suggest that while Silicon Valley is and will remain the leader of the pack and probably the leader by a good margin, uh, there will be many other cities like uh, like in Austin that rise up and, and really become you know, thriving startup communities. I want to go in a little deeper on that conversation around time. 
we're just coming out of the COVID pandemic. It disrupted everything. In a lot of ways, people have told us that the pandemic really sped things up. What's your thought about that? Yeah, no question. It sped things up in terms of some you know technology trends, some adoption you know, curves in terms of specific things, telemedicine, telelearning, uh, obviously, uh, you know, video conferencing, uh, a lot of things, you know, accelerated dramatically in, in the, during the pandemic, but also it accelerated what's happening with the rise of rest that there clearly were people that were in some of the superstar tech cities of San Francisco, New York, or Boston that did decide to, to leave, uh, uh, during the pandemic. And I'm sure some of them thought it might just be for a month or two, but, after a couple of years, they said, you know, come to think of it, I think I'm going to stay here. And, and you know, most of them continue to work remotely for the company they were already working for. But some uh, already have decided to, as they learn more about what's happening in the community they now are residing in, uh, have decided to do something uh, locally, join a, join a startup or some other company that's that happening locally. Uh, and so there has been some dispersion of, of talent that I think is kind of you know, interesting to watch after a couple of decades of essentially a brain drain, people leaving, you know, different parts of the country to go to the coast because the view was probably correctly, the opportunity was better there. Now you're seeing a little bit of a boomerang of, of some people returning. And you're also seeing some venture capitalists who historically were in Silicon Valley and, you know, would only invest in Silicon Valley. And you know, in order to get their capital, the entrepreneurs had to pitch to them in person in Silicon Valley, realize that if they're going to do pitch meetings by Zoom, they could be a little bit more flexible and, and meet entrepreneurs in other places. And, and that's also opened their eyes to the fact that they're, you know, got a great entrepreneur building great companies in different parts of the country. And, and uh, you know, that, that likely will result in a more sustained willingness to back, you know, more companies in, in, in more of these rise the rest of the cities. So I think the pandemic has been kind of a shake the snow globe moment for the world in a lot of different respects. And we're still kind of trying to figure out how it's all going to play out, what what really is going to happen in terms of uh, remote work and hybrid work and and you know, so forth. You know, different companies are going to obviously adopt different different strategies there and probably take a few years for it all to settle out. But I think there are some permanent changes in terms of how we think about work, some permanent changes in terms of the adoption of, of, of some of the technology we talked about, such as telemedicine, uh, and some permanent changes in terms of what's happening around innovation, uh, specifically as it relates to these rising cities and, and are, are what we've kind of been calling rise of the rest. You've seen a lot of those trends recently, those snap back, right? You have a lot of the kind of pandemic, like Peloton and even Zoom and Zoom fatigue set in where people are kind of wanting to be back to the way things were. I do think it's interesting, though, that physical movement, you know, we moved during the pandemic from California to Austin, is obviously a bit more sticky, and you, it's not yeah. going to snap back as that. And I think it's also interesting when you talk about the future of work and people going to these new areas and then, yeah, I was working remotely, but now thinking about, well, maybe I should join something locally because I get the benefit of both of being in the new area while being maybe work from home or hybrid. Yeah. No, that, that, again, it's, it's playing out in real time and, and, you know, nobody has a crystal ball exactly how it will play out, but I, I, I would expect that some of the people that you mentioned uh, that moved during the pandemic, some might decide to move back to where they were before, uh, in part because some companies may require them to move back and they may choose to stay with with that company. But probably more who moved to some other place will stay in that place 
and either continue to work remotely or, or you know, find some other opportunities locally, or maybe start their own company, you know, locally. Because one of the things we've found in all these different cities, I'm sure you saw this when you made the move to, you know, to, to Austin is before you arrive, you have a general sense of what's happening, but not really a very granular sense of what's happening. And when you're on the ground, you're actually meeting people and, and you know, bumping into ideas, you realize a lot more is happening than you realize you're aware of. And that kind of then leads at least some people to say, you know, maybe I would like to, you know, kind of join that company that seems to be scaling nicely that I didn't even know about a year ago, uh, but seems like a good opportunity. And I, I, I do kind of the remote work has some benefits, certainly, but I do kind of like working with other people, at least some of the time. And uh, so I want to be in an environment where uh, there, you know, are people who are, you know, working together, you know, kind of side by side. And so, yeah, different people make different decisions. For sure, there'll be some companies that are fully remote and some, you know, people that decide to work fully remote. There'll also be some companies that decide to be back in person five days a week. And some people will prefer being back in person five days a week. But most people and most companies uh, likely will be somewhere somewhere in the middle. And it will be interesting to see how it settles out. But I would expect it to be a, a net positive, sort of a tipping point in terms of the rise of the rest. You call this a, a call to home in the book, uh, people moving back to where they were born, where they were raised. Not all of it's coming out of the coast like we did. But what do you see in terms of the people willingness to move? Is this the, the great American adventure that we talked about when we all in school read, you know, John Steinbeck and things like that? Or is this something new and different? Well, I think it varies. And I do remember reading, you know, the Jack Kerouac on the road book. And there's, you know, something about traveling the country and, and, and experiencing different parts of America that is appealing to some people, certainly to me. And there are some people who did decide, you know, particularly in the early, early phase of the pandemic, that it would be a good time to move back home or move back to a community they knew. Maybe they went to you know, college there or some other other reason. But just as many people uh, moved to places they didn't really have, you know, that kind of experience with. There, there wasn't home. It was some new frontier, some place that they heard about, heard some interesting things about. Maybe they had some friends that had moved there. And so it, I think it, for most people, it was sort of this take a step back and think about life moment. Uh, and I think it led to sort of an unlock that you had to be where you were suddenly there was some sense of maybe there is more flexibility than I thought. Maybe I don't have to be in Silicon Valley if I don't want to be in Silicon Valley. Maybe I can be someplace else. And if I can be someplace else, where do I want to be? Do I want to be where you know, maybe I have you know family and, and, and loved ones? And, and particularly when, if you have your own young family, there's some advantages to having you know kind of family members in, in, in the community when you're, or you're raising kids. Or maybe there is a city that you we're intrigued by Austin or Nashville or Denver, or you can name dozens of other cities that said, yeah, I, I would kind of like to, you know, live there. I didn't think I could, but maybe I can. And so that's what's what's happening now. And that's why you're seeing this this uh, this dispersion of, of, of talent. To be clear, there, there are still great benefits to be in Silicon Valley. A lot of people will choose to be in Silicon Valley, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. And I also believe even though the rest will rise, Silicon Valley will continue to be, you know, the leader of the pack by a good margin. It will continue to be the most innovative entrepreneurial region in the country, indeed in the world, uh, and the kind of the pride of America, the envy of the world. So when we talk about the rise of the rest of other cities, this is not anything negative about Silicon Valley. It's more just something positive about what's happening 
in other parts of the country and positive about giving people more flexibility uh, to decide where they want to live while still being able to pursue a, a, a great career path. One of those things that seemed to be able to empower this movement and this freedom, if you will, about, what's it, 26, 27 years ago, during the first dot-com boom, I was working at an incubator. We did some work with McKinsey and the Milken Institute on innovation. And one of the things that was abundantly powerful at that time was the fact that it was the location of the major research universities, the universities that popped out this IP that was being leveraged by businesses to create all these great companies. We talked about how VCs used to only invest in a very small circle around where they were located. A lot of these companies were located around universities for this, for that reason. One of the things we've seen now is that the location of the IP creation has very little to do with the location of the businesses today. Is that what you're saying as well? Is that what help, what's helping to power the rise of the rest? Well, I think it's a mix of things. It's, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. There clearly it's always been a value uh, to universities because they are a magnet for talent. They attract a lot of young people who are, are pursuing a, their educational kind of path. Uh, and they're also a cauldron of new ideas, you know, new IP, as, as you say. And so that always been attractive, but what's been you know, more common in the last couple of decades is people who were at some of those great you know, universities in places like you know, Pittsburgh, like Carnegie Mellon, or in places like you know, Ann Arbor with uh, Michigan, often left. They didn't stay there. They went to some other place in part because they concluded correctly that there was less happening there in terms of innovation, startups, venture capital, kind of the tech sector, than if they move to another, you know, more obvious tech hub like a like a San Francisco or or, or New York or, or Boston, and so there there was sort of a drain brain drain associated with that. We've started to see in the last ten years more people staying in those cities when they do graduate, in part because some of the big companies, Facebook, Google, et cetera, have actually built significant offices in those places to tap into that talent, but also because the startup community in those places also have have accelerated. So that's, I think, one, one, one thread. Another thread is, while there absolutely are ideas that are birthed in one place that end up getting built in another place, uh, and we're seeing more and more of that, we're also seeing universities do a much better job of building startup ecosystems around their universities in their own, you know, kind of, uh, you know, cities. And that's leading to more of that innovation staying in those communities and more companies starting and, and scaling in, in those particular cities. One we, you know, back that I wrote about in the book in Atlanta called Hermius, uh, basically it's built, you know, Mach 5, you know, technology for engines and planes that you can get from Atlanta to Europe in 90 minutes, but you also uh, can move things around faster. The Air Force is a big customer of theirs. And they're building on a lot of the expertise at Georgia Tech, which is a great you know, research university. So a company like Hermius, maybe 25 years ago, maybe the people were at Georgia Tech, but likely would have left the Atlanta area to go to you know, a, a coastal hub to be able to pursue that. Now they feel like it's actually advantageous to stay in Atlanta and be able to have that, that pool of, of, uh, of talent. Or we've seen in Chicago with, with Tempest, a precision medicine company now has over a thousand employees, including a lot of data scientists, they're tapping into the 
you know, Illinois uh, University system, which has produced a lot of data scientists. Historically, those graduates then left to go to the coast increasingly, and they're now staying in, in, in Chicago. So that's been a, a real positive to see. So if the university a lot of times is for the going from kind of zero to emerging, is that anchor for either IP talent, likely both, what do the cities that don't have this major hub to start with do? Well, the, the university is certainly helpful, but it, it's sort of, it, it, it's, it, there are other ingredients that I write about in the book that are critical to have a startup community, not just one. And, and, and there are cities that have done well without that pop, you know, really powerful anchor uh, research university, including where I am in the Washington, D.C. area. We have a number of universities here, uh, but most would say we don't have the powerhouse research university that, that other other places have, but it's risen as a startup city. Indeed, Amazon decided to pick it as a second headquarters. Uh, and so, you know, it, it is possible to scale startup communities without that anchor university, but it's certainly helpful uh, to have that and to and to be able to you know, to build on that. And there are a number of examples that, that I write about in the book of, of cities that are trying to figure out ways to really grow as a as a, a thriving startup community even if they don't have that same uh you know kind of powerhouse research university in 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 their own backyard so i want to kind of bring it to uh austin a little bit obviously as we're an austin focused podcast through your various firms and funds you've invested in a number of kind of local central texas companies do you see a single theme or pattern that kind of emerges through that those kind of companies that are here I'd say it's a mix. At Revolution, we have our Rise of Rest Seed Fund, which we made a number of investments. We also have Revolution Ventures and our later stage kind of Revolution Growth, which is invested in companies in Austin, like Big Commerce and, and Sparefoot and, and some others. I think Austin is an example, which is a, a positive, of a relatively diverse startup ecosystem where you're seeing innovation happening in a number of different you know, industries as opposed to just, you know, just one or two. And we've seen that in a number of other cities. There's often some anchor capability you're building off of some industry expertise domain expertise if you will that you're you're building off of but there are also examples where companies really could have started anywhere uh and and but chose to start somewhere uh, in detroit for example uh the company StockX that now has 1500 employees has raised a significant amount of money last round with a multi-billion dollar valuation uh you know started in in downtown uh, detroit uh, but most people would think that company, which is sort of a stock exchange for things, probably is in New York or Boston or San Francisco. They'd be surprised to learn it's in uh, Detroit or even Big Commerce, which I mentioned actually started in Sydney, Australia, but was looking for a North American, you know, had kind of headquarters office and picked Austin. And then over time, more and more of the company ended up being being based in in Austin. So, you know, different different companies make uh, different decisions, different people make uh, uh, different decisions. And uh, there's a mix usually in the cities that we visited where there's some obvious companies that are building on the expertise in in those particular cities around healthcare, around freight logistics or around you know food and agriculture or what have you. Uh, but there always also are always a good mix of of companies that it's you know that didn't have to be there. They could be someplace else, but chose to be there. I think Austin, has developed to the point where you know there's a fair amount of diversity in in the startup uh, you know, community, and there are a lot of reasons people might choose to be in Austin and either start a company there or join a company there, independent of their particular area of industry interest. Well, and it really hits at your point that when you said earlier that we uh, when you get to a city, you kind of learn there's even more going on. You know, when we 
moved to Austin and we obviously knew about it for a number of years and come the big high flyers and things that were happening here and Tesla moving here. But when getting here and getting in deep, you know, so my background's all in life science and didn't realize how, what level it was besides a couple of the companies like, oh, no, actually it's quite, you know, there's quite a, a, a group that's growing here. The CPG scene is huge. So lots of kind of different things that it's only, as you said, only until you kind of get on the ground. It's interesting as you think about like big commerce, there's a number of companies as well that the, the spread of the companies, how do you start even saying like, what's an Austin company versus a Miami company when they have major parts of their company in both uh, areas? And are they, is the corporate headquarters, is the science headquarters? Uh, there's a particular company in mind is, is recently, there's a company called Energy X that raised $450 million and personally was a little upset with the pitch books of the world because they weren't attributing it to Austin. It was being attributed to Miami. But as you dig in, the headquarters is in Puerto Rico. They have an office in Miami and they have their science office in Austin. I don't know where the, where do you call the company at this point? I, I see that kind of growing. Yeah, exactly. No question it's growing. No question it's growing. But it, that, and, and I think that's a healthy thing that will give people more flexibility as we discussed before and give companies more more flexibility. And, and we certainly saw this with larger companies as they got to a certain scale, they realized they couldn't just have one headquarters. They needed to have a more dispersed workforce for a whole host of reasons. And, and that's clearly accelerated during the pandemic and, and more even small companies, a number of started during the pandemic. And of course had to be fully remote because there was not any other choice in, in, in most cities, uh, particularly in that first uh, year or so. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening. It's a, it's a grand experiment in terms of society, work, innovation, you know, that's going to you know, continue to play out over the, the next you know, few years. But I do think that having more flexibility is, is important and having a sense that you can have a thriving career in the tech sector, in the innovation economy, even if you are not in Silicon Valley, I think is a, is a positive for for the country and certainly benefited you know, cities like Austin that have, as you well know, been developing nicely and steadily uh, over the last several decades as a startup city and just got, you know, even more heat and momentum uh, in the in the last few years. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to a little bit. When we reviewed the book and talked to your team, we found out that the Rise of the Rest bus tour didn't come to Austin. I think the quote from your team was, it wasn't one of the rest. So we're in this interesting middle group, and I, I don't think that we're alone. I think when you look at like San Diego, Nashville, Research Triangle, where we've absolutely emerged, but I wouldn't put us in the category of the superstar, you know, Silicon Valley, New York, Boston, and the like. So what is your take on Austin in kind of the overall innovation ecosystem? Where do we stand uh, as a comparative kind of the rest, the growing, and the superstars? Well, I think to Austin's credit, you know it better than I do because you're there, really has emerged as a thriving startup hub. And that has been true for the past decade and has become even you know, more true. So, you know, to the point when we when we plan our Rise Rest bus tour, we've done eight of these bus tours, I think it's 43 different, different cities. We're looking for cities on the rise, but that haven't yet quite hit that takeoff point, that acceleration point, that tipping point. And therefore us showing up, you know, hopefully can be a little bit catalytic in terms of, you know, kind of getting the community to the next level. You know, my sense is Austin's already there. Other cities like Seattle, we also haven't visited. They, 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 they're already there. We haven't been to, to San Diego. 
So we've, we've been to dozens of, of, of cities that are on the rise, but at least in our, you know, our view of, of things needed, uh, you know, a little bit of a boost. And, and we were hopeful that kind of showing up and not just it's us, but other people we bring along with us, venture capitalists from the coast, the media from, you know, to, you know, to, to track what's happening in these cities and follow these entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and so forth, it, 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 it could be a helpful uh, and maybe even, you know, catalytic moment for that particular startup community. So it, in some ways, well, we we have heard from from folks, including in Austin and some of the other you know, cities that we have not gone to, that they're surprised that we haven't been there. That's actually because of the momentum there is such that, you know, we don't, we don't really think showing up on a rise of the best bus will really help Austin much. It'll help other cities a lot more. So when I look at your your wheel model, and I'll, I'll lay it out for the, the, the our listeners. So you put the, the key parts are startups, investors, universities, government, corporations, startup support organizations, and local media. My sense in this middle group, the, the thriving but not superstar, for lack of a better term, it's not just scale that separates us from, you know, the big four. When looking at that model, what is it that you that you see as the big differentiator from kind of the groups you said you didn't visit because they've they're on that takeoff point, but we wouldn't put them in that kind of top four group? Well, there's a number of things you can track that are more kind of quantitative as well as some things that are a little harder to track but are important that are a little bit more you know qualitative on the on the first you know, bucket, you know clearly one of the things we're looking at is venture capital, you know that you know the the tracking where venture capital dollars are are being invested because it correlates pretty well to the the, the stage of the the, the rise of the, any particular kind of startup city so seeing significant capital being invested and growing in in, in cities you know obviously is the, the most obvious way to see what's happening the other thing to track a little harder but you get you can get some data on this is what's happening in terms of the talent are are, the, are certain cities becoming magnets for talent and becoming Kind of attractive places to leave are they winning the battle of keeping the people they already have sort of slowing the brain drain or are they also winning the battle of getting people to return boomerang back or getting new people to come in in, in the first place and 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 so that's another thing that, that that's important the ones that are a little little uh subtler are within a particular city we've seen a lot of variation in terms of how much people in the community are focused on startups and how collaborative the community is and how much passion and urgency they're really bringing to, to support this next generation of, of companies. There's some cities that you know, are a little bit more complacent, maybe a little more, more focusing on the big companies and you know, talking about the, you know, the you know, leaders in the community, university presidents, mayors, governors, things like that. Uh, and others are, are really more you know, recognizing their future, their community is largely going to be in the hands of of the new companies that that uh, you know that emerge and are trying to be more supportive of that, build a culture around entrepreneurship, and and also build a culture around risk taking. So so entrepreneurs who take risks can be encouraged and 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 and, and celebrated. Uh, so that's another you know factor that's important. Indeed, part of the reason we do come up with our you know our bus is you know, there's some aspects around just getting around and seeing different parts of the city. So there's a practical kind of logistic side of it. There's also sort of an optic side of it that you know, sort of this bus road trip Americana, you know, gets more attention. And part of our goal is to get local media attention focused on on, on startups and national media attention focused on these rise the rest uh, you know, cities. 
but also that's a, there's a practical side of it. We use the bus kind of as a convening platform as we're rolling around town. We're, we're, we're inviting a lot of people on the bus within the community and people from other communities to try to get more focus on startups and drive more collaboration, drive more uh, you know partnerships. And, and that tends to be a, you know, one of the other factors that really ends up being a, a big driver. One of the things that, that we say a lot and I think is important when thinking about the growth in, of these ecosystems to kind of that next level, I think it's twofold. One is differentiation, a big thing that we could push a lot. I hate the Silicon X terms. You know, if I'm going to be Silicon, right. I know we've been called Silicon Hills, but Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, we don't want to be the first that next Silicon Valley, we want to be the first Austin. And then the second is narrative. You talk about like South by Southwest in, uh, in your book when you mention Austin a little bit. And I think the bus tour obviously is one of the parts of helping to build a narrative for those, for those cities. Where do you see the place of, of the narrative of the ecosystem into kind of growing it from zero to rising to thriving to superstar? No, it's, it's very important. There's a lot of entrepreneurship is around storytelling, about getting people to be captivated with your vision of, of what you're trying to build and why it's important, kind of what, what mountain you're trying to climb, you know, what battle you're trying to fight. And that's what every entrepreneur has to do, but it's also what every entrepreneurial community has to do. You have to get people excited and, and, and leaning in. So they are more likely to move there. They are more likely to, uh, to invest there. And so a lot of, you know, what we did in the early days of, of the internet when I was co-founding AOL was storytelling, getting people to understand what was possible with the internet, which of course seems obvious now, but was not at all obvious in those early days when people were pretty skeptical that other than kind of computer hobbyists, that there never ever would be a ma mainstream interest in being online. And, you know, similarly, when we launched uh, Rise of the Rest over almost a decade ago, a lot of people were skeptical. They thought, well, you know, Silicon Valley kind of has this kind of locked up and the idea that there are cities like Atlanta or Chicago or Indianapolis or Richmond or Detroit or Chattanooga or others that were going to be strong startup cities. People were like, well, that's, you know, that's not likely. <laughs> Go for it, Steve, but that's not likely. Uh, and so part of it is visiting there, learning what's happening, helping them, you know, tell their story. Uh, to other audiences that maybe they can't reach. And and certainly part of the reason even to write the book on Rise of the Rest is to tell the stories of these companies growing and these cities rising. Uh, and also, you know, remind people around the, about the history of the country and how different cities have risen at different times based on different technological trends and, and innovations. And also, you know, tell the story of this next phase, which I do think industry expertise, that sort of domain expertise is going to matter more. And that's going to advantage some sort of cities that were felt left out of the last kind of couple decades of, of, uh, of innovation. So I think that that storytelling uh, is important. It's not just, of course, telling the story. You actually have to execute. You have to really have successful companies. There's nothing that helps a startup community rise than a strong tentpole company like Adele has been to to Austin or Microsoft was to Seattle or, or AOL was to the, you know, the greater Washington DC area. That certainly is, 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 you know, where you see a real acceleration. Uh, but to get to that point, you know, there is something around crafting your story and, and trying to focus on, on, you know, kind of what does make you different. So people will, you know, kind of take notice and kind of uh, if they're interested in a certain kind of city with certain kind of, Amenities and not just happening with the with what's happening in the in the startup community itself, although of course that's important. It's also, you know, the you know the the music scene in Austin is is attractive, and the art scene or in the you know Salt Lake Provo area, the, the fact that it's in the mountains and there's hiking and skiing is important, and 
Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville, I was just there recently, and they position themselves as the mountain biking capital of the world. They have amazing kind of, you know, kind of bike trails and so forth. So everybody needs to figure out what are the things to focus on that really make that particular community unique and a, and a draw, sort of a magnet, as well as what are the industries where they have some leadership uh, and they can you know, build on it. And I do think the the Austin story, uh, you know, Dell does get a lot of credit. I think the South by conference was, you know, the, that festival was hugely helpful in getting tens of thousands of people, probably hundreds of thousands over, over the various years that come to Austin, most who didn't know what to expect. And many said, this is kind of cool city. Maybe I could imagine living here. And some decided to live, you know, live there, but it even goes back to the backstory. Now I think it was four decades ago when some of the, you know, semiconductor research around Semitech and others was, was happening that also got the, got the ball rolling. So there are different aspects to this that are important. I think the main message around the book and the main message when we're visiting cities is figure out what your story is, what your narrative is, and, and make sure you're, you're, you're communicating that and trying to inspire, you know, this next generation of entrepreneurs and also attract other people who want to bet on those entrepreneurs and, and either join them as investors or join them as team members or join them as customers. So more more of these companies can start and scale in, in your own city. Playing to your strengths is always a great idea. The end of your book is called The United States of Possibilities. You talk about some of the takeaways and some of the learnings. If you had to boil that down, what are the three or four takeaways that you'd recommend? Well, at the high level, kind of the 40,000 foot level, uh, it was it was an eye opener to me when I was working a little over a decade ago now on on more on a policy front as a as a co chair of the National Advisory Council on Innovation Entrepreneurship and also uh, then working on the Jobs Council and chairing a White House initiative called Start Startup America how it's, how central the role new companies startups played in job creation it, you know small business is important big business is important but new business is more important. So yeah, I guess making sure people realize that it's an imperative for each community, it's imperative for for the country. And then secondarily, ties in what we talked about before, you know, venture capital is sort of the, the jet fuel that powers most startups and and you know the most the most successful companies that have created the most jobs, created the most value, and most, driven the most economic uh, growth have raised venture capital. So how do you spread that to you know more people and and in more places and create a more inclusive innovation economy. So getting, you know, that, you know, area focused on, and thankfully there's more focus at sort of a national level and also more at a regional, uh, you know, level than there was, uh, you know, kind of a, a decade ago. And then, you know, how do you execute? How do you, you know, kind of build on what's great about your particular, you know, community and position it for this next, you know, next chapter where uh, the, the nature of innovation is changing. And, and as we kind of the internet meets the real world and we start reimagining and disrupting some big sectors of the economy, healthcare, food and ag, things like that. I do think partnerships are going to become you know, more important. Domain expertise is going to become more important. So playing into the, the natural strengths that you have as a, as a community, I think, uh, you know, makes sense. One of my great examples I write about in the book is this company Freightways in Chattanooga. I didn't know this till I was in Chattanooga with our bus, but some of the biggest trucking companies in America are headquartered in Chattanooga. So when a company like Freightwaves, it's building a data platform, kind of like Bloomberg for the trucking industry, they're actually advantaged to be in Chattanooga versus being in New York City or San Francisco or, or, or some other city. So how do you kind of build on, on that and just constantly look for new opportunities to, to, to launch companies that build on some of your unique advantages, some of your unique strengths? 
And then also just as I start the book off and end the book, just reminding people that the American story is interesting and that we, you know, kind of were a startup nation a little less than 250 years ago. And most people around the world actually didn't think America would make it because like most startups don't make it. There are a lot of skepticism about the American model uh, and whether it would would survive. And it didn't just survive, it thrived. And, and now we're the leader of the free world. We have the leading economy. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But certainly one of the big ones is that entrepreneurs have kind of led the way first in that agricultural revolution two centuries ago than the industrial you know, revolution more like a century ago and more recently the the technology revolution the digital revolution so we need to continue to renew ourselves lean into the future and do that uh in, in, all across the country have more shots on goal backing more entrepreneurs all across the country uh if we're going to continue to remain the you know the, the leader of the pack so that's what i meant when i was talking about the united states of possibility learning you know how we got to now and making sure we're we're doing everything we can to continue to maintain that lead as the most innovative entrepreneurial nation in the world and continue to celebrate the major tech powerhouse hubs like the Silicon Valley or, or a few others, but also recognize there's an opportunity to, to create more cities, more, more success stories like Austin in more parts of the country. It's a story that hasn't been finished. We continue to write it every day. One last question we always ask, what's next for Steve Case? Well, I still have a lot of work to do here. We made a little bit of progress in the last decade in terms of this Rise of the Rest, helping more entrepreneurs in more places. We've now backed with our Rise of the Rest seed fund, 200 companies, 100 different different cities. Uh, but we recognize there's still a lot of work to do to really create exactly what we were talking about, a more inclusive economy that doesn't bring more people and more places uh, into into being part of the you know, the future. So we have a lot, a lot of work ahead and, and, and look forward to continuing to hit the road and, and meet more entrepreneurs and, and, and see what's happening in, in, in more cities and try to do what we can to celebrate those successes and, and try to do what we can to help those cities be a magnet for talent, be a magnet for capital, and then have some of these tentpole company successes that might surprise people in the community and might surprise people in the country about what's possible. Uh, and the biggest you know, insight from this last decade of traveling around and even writing this book is is not you know one or two or three cities that are that are rising as startup cities. It's really several dozen, and that's what's most encouraging to me about this next chapter in the in the American story. Steve Case from AOL to Rise of the Rest. Thank you so much for being on the Austin Next podcast. Thank you. It's great being with you. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.